Yo, what is up everyone? We are back here at 120 Collective with the Novelty Growth team and my friend Matt Mellon. How you doing, brother? I'm doing good. How are you doing, Adam? Good, good. Uh, I'm your host today, Adam Karendang, and this is the Novelty Voice Podcast. You know, our mission and purpose is to provide a platform for people in the city to just share their story, their mission, their vision, their purpose, and ultimately just give people a voice. So, Without further ado, I'm here with one of my good friends, Matt Mellon. He, uh, we met through a networking event not too long ago, actually. Um, it was one of our novelty events that we held. Um, he's a musician. His band's called The Indigos. It was voted the best local band in 2015. He owns a digital marketing agency. He's uh, had a, his own TED Talk and overall serial entrepreneur. So I'm excited to dive in. Uh, get to to know you a little bit more, fig- figure out your story, um, what your mission is, what your vision is. So yeah, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. And I, I didn't realize I was a serial entrepreneur. It sounds so serious. <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel like I'm about to get handcuffed or something. No, you, you just got a lot going on, man. And, and I'm excited for you to uh, be able to share you yeah. know, uh, all this stuff that you have going on and kind of your mindset totally. overall. Um, but I'll just go ahead and start off. So, you know, First off, how young are you, and uh, where are you from? Uh, I am 25 years young, uh, and I'm originally from Valparaiso, Indiana. Okay, and how would you describe Matt Mellon today? Oh, gosh. You know, um, one thing that I have on my uh, board in my room, I have this whiteboard, and I write my why statement, Mm. you know, what I believe in, what I try to do. And so if I were to define Matt Mellon, it would be someone who connects creates and loves. Oh, I love that because uh, our mission here at Novelty Growth is to create, network, and grow. Oh, perfect. Ultimately, <laughs> though, you know, surrounding that with, with love. Definitely. Yeah. That's, I think, the, a huge missing piece to this whole entire world. I agree. Um, and as cliche as it sounds, if everyone would just love, then this place would be better. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but right on. Yeah. So, uh, you know, what was your childhood like growing up, you know, factoring in your parents, siblings, anything, you know, what, what was your childhood like, childhood like growing up? Yeah. Um, I mean, I had a great childhood. Uh, I have two wonderful parents, two sisters. Uh, we had a great dog growing up. Um, what was his, her, his or her name? Her name. Her name was, uh, Maisie. That was my childhood dog. And then we had another one, Bella recently. Okay. Um, and then your sisters, older, younger, two younger sisters. Uh, one of them, uh, she's training to be a midwife and she's got two beautiful kids, my nieces, Okay. They're my favorite. <laughs> How old are they? Uh, they are three and almost one. Okay. Or oh, a little bit over one. Yeah. Wow. Right on. Yeah. So where'd you go to high school then? Um, I went to Valparaiso High School. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I went to college at Ball State University. Gotcha. What'd you go to college for? Um, well, actually, uh, I originally went for architecture because I loved building things as a kid. I loved playing with Legos and puzzles and, you know, putting the pieces together, solving solving those um mysteries, if you will. Mm -hmm. Um, So at Ball State, I I wanted to go for architecture. I wanted to create, but then um, I realized that what I wanted to do in life was a little bit more individualized. Mm -hmm. Um, So I sat down with the assistant dean and provost, and I put together my own major. You put together your own major. I did. How is that like even possible? Is that something you were just like, uh, screw it. I'm going to go try to put together my own major. Or how did that even come, come about? <laughs> well, it was funny because I, I switched my major five times. Oh, wow. Uh, at, okay. At Ball State University. And I really considered the entrepreneurship program. Mm. Um, be, but the program was centered around starting your own business. And I already had two businesses. So I wasn't like trying to start another one. And, you know, they said you couldn't use something you already had. You had to build something new. So... 
um, I wanted to be the next entrepreneur, the serial entrepreneur, yeah. and make my own major that fit within what I thought I needed to learn to succeed at my goals in life. So I, uh, I put together this, this goal pyramid, I called it. I put at the top my life's mission and goal, and I you know, stri- extrapolated it back 10, 20, 30, 40 years and figured out, okay, these are the things I want to do in my 20s and my 30s and my 40s and my 50s. And then I sat down with the assistant dean and I said, I think these are the classes that are going to help me achieve these goals mm. you know, for the next couple of decades. Um, and she's like, all right, just get a 3.5 GPA. You have to clear it with, because it was th- in three departments, business, leadership, and communications. That was the major. So I had to clear it with all three departments. Mm-hmm. Um, and then for two years, um, I was taking 13 credit hours a semester. Okay. Um, the business that I had built was counting as my internship. Mm. Um, and I only had to go to class Tuesday and Thursday. <laughs> wow, that sounds like a, a nice life right oh, there in college. <laughs> awesome. I enjoyed every class thoroughly because it was what I was passionate about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then I had a lot of free time to build both my businesses, the band that I play in, um, and really just pursue what it is that I was you know, passionate about. Dude, that is genius because I think that's one major thing. Um, you know, going to IU for four years and kind of like you, I changed my major three or four times. and. Yep. Um, you know, just hearing people's experience overall, whether, you know, whatever college you go to, you know, they, they want to get a degree in whatever, but mm-hmm. there's so many classes that they go through where, you know, overall, yeah, it probably benefits them in some way, but they, they don't see how it will benefit them. So they don't pay attention and they yep. don't retain anything. And then it's just a bunch of waste of time, you yep. know, and um, money. and money. Exactly. A lot of waste of time and money. So let me ask you this you created your own you know you picked out all your your classes then is that something that they had ever done before or um did other students want to you know take that same path as you and do the same major that you kind of designed is it, is that or is it just you it's interesting that you you mentioned that because it was through the, the programs called uh, innovative studies okay um and they've only had a very small handful of students ever utilize that it's like in the very small bylaws of ball state university like the dean had to be like wait is this a thing and had to like go through and like find it um and like i said very few students did it but um i actually had after i had done it I was telling all my friends and they're like, wait, you can do that. <laughs> I was like, I was like, yeah, you know, it's, it's, I mean, it's a lot of red tape. You know, you got to have a plan. Like I'll show you how to do it. I'll help you put together your proposal. You got to pitch it to the Dean. You got to pitch it to the departments you want to be a part of. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's a lot of work, you know, and you have to have a 3.5 GPA. Like you got a Dean's list every semester, mm-hmm. you know, you can't screw around. Yeah. Um, and I actually, there were, I had two roommates that I was living with who were very excited about it and they ended up doing it. Nice. And then okay. they told some friends and a couple of their friends did it. And it ended up being about a half a dozen people that soon after I had, you know, accomplished that were like, Oh, that sounds like a great idea. Let's do it. Mm. Um, and then from that, because my whole theory was, is the education system is so standardized. Oh, okay. You know, like you were saying, like, you're going to take these classes that, you know, maybe like one person in that class is going to use you know, calculus in their career. Yeah. You know, obviously we all have to add, subtract, multiply, and divide, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, limits and regressions and, you know, like not everybody's going to use that, you know? So um, what was interesting about it was because I had gone through that process, they, TEDx had come to the university mm. and um, I had, I had told them, I said, you know, I really have this great idea of reforming the education system, you know, making it more individualized instead of specialized. Um, you know, can I, can I speak? And I told them about how I made my major and I had these businesses and all that. Um, and so I did the talk on reforming the education system. 
mm. and how as a whole that will help society drastically because if you had each individual person following their strengths, and this is what we learned in the leadership classes that I took, is identify people's strengths, help them develop those, then as a team, you'll be more effective. Ooh, okay. You know, because if, if you have one guy who's not good at talking, but you make him your salesperson, you're not gonna sell him, yeah. you know? But he, so could true. Be, he could be a genius coder, and he can make beautiful websites, mm -hmm. you know? And if at a young age, you're able to, to identify that and, and help them foster that, you know, not only are they gonna be happier, um, they're gonna be more successful, and society as a whole is gonna move faster. Yeah. You know, and um, I think if we were to identify that, a lot of schools across the pond, if you will, um, you know, in other places of the world do that, where at a young age they help identify that. And I think if they did that here in America, you know, we would we would excel a lot faster. Dude, I agree. And we'll we'll dive deep into that here soon. Um, you know, I, I listened and or watched your TED talk earlier today and it was phenomenal. Um, I believe you're you're 25 now, so you were 21 yes. during the TED Talk, mm -hmm. um, and we'll we'll attach it in the description of the podcast. It's phenomenal. Um, I suggest you guys check it out. Um, we'll we'll touch on some things that that you talked about during that. Um, but I want to rewind a little bit. And so you know, in college, you had mentioned you had two businesses already yes what were those businesses um so the first one was a network marketing business okay um so and that, that's really where i got my start in entrepreneurship learning how to speak with people you know learning how to start a business um building a brand mm -hmm. um you know and it, it, i learned so much you know it was a Dude, uh, yeah, similar story. Uh, that's where I was introduced oh, to yeah? entrepreneurship as well, the network marketing industry. And, you know, it does get a lot of hate um, mm -hmm. a lot of the times. But that's what I'll tell people is that the connections I made mm -hmm. and the mindset that I developed yeah. just going through that and that experience and, um, you know, being thrown uh, into, you know, being thrown in front of a crowd of 10, 150, however many people just to talk. It's something that, you know, I've never experienced before. Um, and I believe that everyone who experiences the network marketing world uh, long term makes them a better businessman or woman. Oh, for sure. Would you agree? I agree 100%. It teaches you um, good business practices, but also how to have a thick skin. Oh, yeah. You know, because in business, you're going to hear no a lot. Yeah. And, and one thing I learned to love in network marketing is I love it when people tell me no. Mm. Oh, it's the greatest. <laughs> then, I, then I go next. You know, I get to, yeah, I get to yeah, move yeah. on to the next person. And it's okay. It's not for everybody. Mm -hmm. You know, and I think it's interesting that we met because I feel like a lot of people who have done network marketing attract each other because we all understand, you know, the law of attraction and, yep. you know, good networking practices and, and how to build friendships and, and all that. So. Definitely. So that was uh, one business, and then the other one was? The other one, uh, I started with two of my business partners um, who might be watching now, uh, Derek Hutchinson, also known as the Funk Master. The Funk Master. The Funk Master. <laughs> uh, he is the master of funk, destroyer of evil. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and Tyler Harris. Um, and we all met at Ball State University, and they have been instrumental in uh, building the business side of the Indigos. Okay. Um, and what had happened was is the Indigos had become so successful and we were, you know, making good money that we decided to create an LLC, um, you know, to 
saves money on taxes ultimately, but also then to duplicate our process to other musicians and other uh, entrepreneurs and other brands so that way we can show them how we built our brand and help them do the same. Dude, that's awesome. So uh, let's talk about the Indigos then. Um, The story behind that, you know, when did you guys start? How did you come together? I know that the group has, what, seven, ten members? How many people? Depends on the day and what it's like outside. (laughs) Right on. A lot of people, right? Um, It's it's different. It's unique. And I've heard your guys' sound and I really enjoy it. I think a lot of people would enjoy it as well. Um, And I'm just curious to know, like, how did you all come together and what sparked that? Yeah. Yeah, so um, when I came to college, I was originally in a uh, pop punk band, believe it or not. Okay. Um, and we had just broken up. Um, I was still very, you know, heartbroken over it. It's, you know, it's like a breakup, mm-hmm. you know, except you're breaking up with four guys instead of one girl. So it's a little <laughs> different. <laughs> but, um, but it, you know, it, it was okay. You know, I was, I was moving through it. I was writing songs about it. I was, you know, moving into my own and a producer approached me and he was a good friend of mine from Ball State. He was studying to be, you know, an MMP major. And he's like, Hey man, I love your music. Will you come record? And I was like, I was like, no man, I can't, like, I can't, I can't do music, man. You know, I was so sad about the, the breakup of the band. He's like, come on, you're really good. Like I, and he really inspired me. You know, Pat, Patrick Weaver has been, um, one of the most instrumental people in the starting of the Indigos, I always I always say, because he was the one that sparked it in me to keep going, mm. uh, even when I, I, I felt like I didn't want to. And um, so I went into the studio. We, we were going to do the session. He's like, oh, I got this awesome studio drummer. And I was like, I just learned to play the drums, and my ego was kind of like here. So I was like, I, I just want to record it all. I want to do the bass. I want to do the guitar. I want to do the drums. I want to do the vocals. And he's like, no, you have to use this studio drummer. He's the best. All right, fine. <laughs> so we go into the studio, and in three takes, like this guy's never heard the song before. Like he's a huge metalhead, and it was like a like a uh, indie pop song, mm-hmm. you know. And he's and in three takes, he like nailed it. And I was like, it's exactly what I wanted. It sounds perfect. He's <laughs> on time. Like we're done. It, like it was like a, an hour session, if that. Nice. And uh, his name was Modest Alshalskis, and he ended up being the first drummer for the Indigos. Okay. And I was like, and literally on the spot, I was like, hey man, do you? Do you want to start a band? And he's like, "Yeah." <laughs> right on. And and so and there's a picture if you if you go on the Indigo's Facebook, it's the first profile picture. It's me, Patrick Weaver, uh, Chris uh, Avaline. He played cello on the song, mm-hmm. um, and Mata Sosholskis, and it's us in front of the studio board. And, and that that was the moment where it all for me started. Dude, that's awesome. Um, you you said two important things that I want to touch on. So uh, you talked about this this time where you were at you you just broke up with your band the four dudes and (laughs) uh you know if it wasn't for that specific individual coming to you you probably wouldn't have continued what is the importance you know with entrepreneurship with you know anyone really trying to pursue their dreams you know uh shed light on i guess what i'm asking is what it takes to really keep pushing through, you know, because that's something that I just hear from a lot of successful individuals is they talk about how there's going to be times where you want to quit, mm-hmm. uh, you want to give up, but you have to keep just pushing through and eventually, you know, it will come to light. So, um, I don't know, touch on that and your perspective. And I guess w- w- so you can bring because it kind of ties in so you can bring this full circle. Yeah. Um, so it was that. And then talking about 
the, just how you wanted to do it all, right? Yeah, but as <laughs> there's there's a lot of creative entrepreneurs that you know are listening right now, mm-hmm. um, or are going to listen to this, and you know that's one of the the hardest things that I've had to realize is just being willing to give up that creative aspect of it and let the creativity go to someone else, you know, um, so you can free up your time and energy and efforts to do, you know, what your strengths are. Yeah. So I know that's kind of difficult being able to give up that creative, uh, ability. And then, so yeah, just tying this into entrepreneurship and that mindset that it takes to really be successful. Cause obviously the Indigos now is a successful band, you know, in 2015 you were, um, what was it? The best local band, uh, 2015 and 2016 when we were at Ball State. So that's awesome. And so obviously, you know, starting from, you know, three people scaling it and just creating all this music, that's like you said, you've turned it into a true business. Mm-hmm. And so just shed light on that, you know, the, the aspect of uh, the mindset that it takes to really uh, build a successful business. Okay. Yeah. I mean, um, like you were saying, never give up. I mean, it, it, that's really important. And it's really important to have a support group too. I mean, if you have people that believe in you, it makes it a whole lot easier. Um, I was actually watching a, a clip from The Pursuit of Happiness, yeah. Will Smith. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a scene in the movie where he's playing basketball with his son. And his son goes to shoot the basket and he makes it. And then Will goes to shoot the basket and he misses. And he's, he's like, his son's like, I'm going to go pro. And Will Smith is like, well, I wasn't very good when I was your age. So that means you're probably not going to be very good. So you might as well give up now. And his son throws the basketball and gets all upset. And Will Smith looks at him and says, don't let, every, don't let anyone ever tell you you can't, even if it's me. Yeah. And, you know, that's so true because the second you stop believing that it's possible, all of the pieces that the universe puts together for you to make it possible slowly start to disappear. Mm. You know, so like the belief, we, our minds project, you know, our, our pineal gland, which is a gland in the brain, actually emits frequency into the universe that vibrates and attracts things that make whatever you think about possible. You know, so um, gratitude is a huge thing. Mm. Um, you know, through that whole process, Instead of thinking, oh, I'm so sad my band broke up, or oh, I'm so sad, you know, I'm not going to be living with, you know, one of my best friends anymore. You know, I was thinking, wow, you know, I got this opportunity to record in this $14 million recording studio with another great friend who's an awesome producer. And, you know, I have all this awesome equipment, and I have this ability to write music, and, you know, and I started to be grateful for what I had. And then as that happened, more and more opportunities started to come in. So anytime that I feel down and I'm just like, I can't move forward or I'm like super depressed or upset about failure. Mm -hmm. Um, I remember what I'm grateful for. And through that, I'm able to, you know, feel better. Um, And that feeling then attracts better things into the reality around me. So it's just that shift of perspective. Yes. Oh, 100%. And the fact that Patrick was there to help push me through that was... I mean, to me, that was like like one of those God moments of like, you know, this was meant to be, you know, like I was meant to go through this and feel this emotion because then I wrote music about it. You yeah, know, like yeah, yeah. Were, like things came out of that. And that's what's great about being a mu- musician is we in particular get to be emotional. I mean, that's our job is to be emotional Yeah. and to, to put that into songs. So if that breakup didn't happen, all of these amazing things would have never came to fruition. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, like I said, having that support group there is great. But if you don't, you know, being grateful for what you do have will help push you through those those hard moments. Dude, that's awesome. It's, it's funny, um, you know, looking 
forward, no one, no one can tell the future, obviously. Um, so it creates this fear for people because yeah. of the unknown. They don't know what, what's going to happen. And, you know, they live their life. They go through these ups and downs. They get yep. into these pits where they're, you know, they could be going through some stuff. But ultimately, you know, five, ten years later, they look back and they can see the compound effect of how it all yep. played out. And that's what, I, that's what I'm kind of hearing you say is, you know, you... You didn't know what was going to happen. You know, you were you were sad that your band just broke up, but now looking back, you can see that compound effect of what led you to where you are today. Yep, oh, 100%. You can only connect the dots looking back. Mm, yeah. You know, so I like that. Right on, man. So um, I guess where are you? So how long has the Indigos been together then? Yeah. So. Um, the Indigos, well, it started as I, the Indigo, was the original project. Okay. It started in 2014. That's when that picture happened. Um, and over the years, we've had about three dozen musicians come and go in the band. And what I, what I tell people with the Indigos is the Indigos isn't just music. It isn't just a band. It's an environment. Mm. Um, you know, one, one of the greatest things that I picked away in school, it was actually in high school, my freshman biology teacher taught me, was that um, anything can be created by the environment. Like if you look outside, you know, there's the, the birds eat the bugs, you know, the snakes eat the birds, you know, the, and, you know, so on and so on and so mm -hmm. forth. Like there's this ecosystem. It's a cycle. Have. It's a cycle. Mm -hmm. You know, the weather has to be a certain humidity and a certain temperature. You know, the sun has to be up for a certain amount of time and, and so on and so forth for this nature to grow and for it to flourish. So I thought, you know, I mean, humans are no different. Business is no different. You know, I mean, if you create a space like the space we're in right now, you know, <laughs> and you invite entrepreneurs to come in, you know, something's going to happen. Yeah. You know, so, um, and that's what I did with the Indigos. I got a drum kit, I got a PA system, I got guitar amps, bass amps, and I threw it all in my basement. And then, like a bat out of hell, I went all over Ball State. I was like, Are you a musician? No, okay. Are you a musician? No, okay. Are you a musician? Oh, you're a musician? You want to come over and jam? Okay, cool. You know, and I did that as many times as I could. As many, because I was just like, I just want to get as many people together to create music as possible because it's it's law of large numbers. That's mm -hmm. what I learned in network marketing. If if you go through enough people, eventually you will have you know a solidified group of people that are dedicated, talented, and you know want to go the distance. And so um, I created this environment. I invited all these friends over. You know, people came, people left, but it wasn't about necessarily success. But it was about creating an environment for other musicians to express themselves and, and, you know, get out of it what they wanted to get out of it. You know, some people just wanted to play in front of people. Some people wanted to write music. You know, some people wanted to pick up girls. You know, and some people wanted different things, yeah. you know. So, and that's fine. I, and I wanted it to be that environment for people to, to freely express themselves and grow. Um, and that environment keeps on growing. You know, the people that are in the band are now creating their own pockets of environments and, and mentoring and helping other people in the music industry and doing their own thing, even people that aren't in the band anymore. Mm -hmm. And it's really great to see because uh, over the four years, and this is a really long answer to your question, no, the band's been around for four years, <laughs> <laughs> since 2014. Uh, and then 2015, we changed our name to The Indigos. And um, ever since, you know, we've just been growing and growing and growing. You know, we've done three national tours from Jersey Shore to L.A. We've done uh, an EP, a full-length album, uh, currently working on some singles. Nice. Um, and we're actually, Caitlin and I, or Foxy, I should say, in the studio with us right now. We've been working on some new music. Actually, if you want to come say hi to everybody. This is Foxy. What up, Foxy? Hey! Can you guess what she does? That was nice. That was nice. <laughs> Thank you. Soothing. 
Yeah, and she also does photography, Irish Fox photography, shameless plug. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> of course, of course. <laughs> but um, Caitlin came, you came into the band two years ago? Yes, I did. Two years I ago? I did come two years ago. Yeah, and it was, it was interesting because we had posted on Facebook and we just said, looking for female vocalists. She immediately replied, sent me a video. I was like, okay. And then <laughs> I was like, come on over and, and you know, uh, uh, try out with us. And it was, it was a perfect fit from the beginning. So nice. Yeah. So glad. So, and that's, and that's happened with so many people. Like I said, it was, I think it was, it was 36 musicians over four years had been a part of this group in some way, shape or form. Wow. It's not including all the photographers, videographers, um, other managers, um, promoters, uh, graphic designers, um, I mean, you name it. Yeah. You know, we the the first tour we went on, you know, we brought a photographer with us. Uh, the second tour we had merch. Uh, we have a touring magician, Andrew Andrew Cash. If you're watching, <laughs> um, he uh, he comes and does magic and helps us like sell merch. That's and all that. So does Eve. <laughs> um, if Eve's watching, she helps us with merchandise as well. Um, Alistair does uh, video and photography currently as well. Sometimes when he can he can join. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it's just been this ever growing thing, and what I created it for was, you know, someday I'm, I'm going to step away, mm -hmm. you know, and, and I want it to keep moving forward. Like I want people to create, keep creating music and using the environment that was sustainably created to continue to flourish and move forward. That is awesome. Yeah. So that, I guess that's your ultimate, I was going to ask you, you know, your end goal with the band and, and the vision that you see. So you just want to create this ecosystem of creative, like-minded musicians coming together to express themselves. Um, in a way that ultimately um, moves them towards what they're ultimately trying to do as well. Does that sound a little bit correct? It sounds like you're part of the Indigos, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> I, feel, uh, I feel like you're in the band. You, you understand. Sign me up, to, bro. To sign team. me up. I'll try out. I don't have much of a voice, but I kind of... You can play the electric triangle. I'm or the cowbell. Perfect. I, I'm on it. Right <laughs> on. Um, that's funny, though. So... <laughs> What's it? I have, I have a question for you. What's it like touring the country? Uh, very, very tiring. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you just told me before this podcast that you have had the chance to uh, have a couple weekends off, and it's been the first time in three years that you've taken a weekend off. Is that correct? That is correct. We, we've had a, a couple weekends, like like one week, like one day, like of a weekend off, like mm -hmm. maybe one Friday or one Saturday. But this is the first time we've had like a stint of a couple weekends in three years off um but i mean you know it's it's nice to take a break caitlin's like cheering she's like i've slept for the first time in years <laughs> um but i mean we get to see some really cool places and meet some really awesome people i mean one of the actually probably the top three greatest moments of my life were while we were on tour with this group um, so I mean, and, you know, one of them was crowd surfing at our own show. That was <laughs> that super been, cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, another one was uh, we were driving uh, through the mountains in Colorado, and it was four o'clock in the morning. We were like just getting off a gig, had to drive through the night to get to our place we were staying, and I uh, we're at ten thousand feet, mm -hmm. and I'm like, I pull the car over on the side of the mountain, like I can see snow, like maybe like ten feet, like in front of me. 
And I get out and I look up, and I have never seen more stars in my entire life. That's beautiful. Oh, it was breathtaking. Absolutely breathtaking. But like moments like that, like not everybody gets to do that. Yeah, you know? very and true. I feel really grateful that I'm able to be, you know, at the top of a mountain at 4 a.m. and stare at the stars, you know? Touring the country. Touring the country. <laughs> Playing music with, with my best friends. So, yeah. You know, um, Are you as in like a, a bus, a van, or what? A- we just purchased a Ford E350 uh, Econoline van. So it's an eight-passenger van. Okay. Um, that we just we bought recently for our last tour when we launched our album to go to Arizona, mm-hmm. uh, which was an awesome trip. Uh, we actually got to to meet Randy Jackson, which was really cool. That's cool. Yep, yep. Hand him an album. You know, <laughs> <laughs> um, Macy, our, our guitarist, has kind of been in communication with him as well. So, um, waiting on having the right single, you know, to send him and mm-hmm. talk, you know, about the next steps, but. Um, you know, it was, it was a phenomenal experience that we got to have doing that. Um, and the van is nice because we used to pack in my uh, Ford Explorer. <laughs> hit the road. <laughs> hit the road with Macy's, uh, uh, what does she have? Uh, I think it's a CRV. Or yeah, a like Honda that. CRV. Yeah, and a Ford Explorer. <laughs> Level it up. I like it. I like it. Yeah, so, and then hopefully soon when, when it's warranted, we'll, we'll put a trailer on the, the eight passenger and then in a couple of years, maybe the tour bus. So uh, nice. Maybe yeah. more like. Yes, Definitely. we are getting into <laughs> I like that. I like that. The law of attraction coming exactly. into play. I like it. So um, how does the digital marketing agency piece come into play with all of this? Because it seems to me like um, the agency is kind of part of the Indigos in a way. Is that is that true or wrong or what? No, totally. Um, it kind of splits up in, in really three separate categories that we've really honed in on, and that's videography. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's my main department. Um, I've been a videographer for a couple of years now, um, doing music videos for other artists mainly. Um, you know, I did a. I, I'm finishing up um, a video for Sounds of Summer. Shameless plug, David, if you're watching. Uh, they're a Beach Boys cover band. We did a live recording at the Static Shack. Nice. Um, it looks and sounds cool. phenomenal. Oh, That's really cool. So good. Um, Greta Blackburn, if you're watching, shameless plug. We did a music video in Vegas, actually. We um, we flew out to Vegas and did a music video there, which was a lot of fun. Uh, Rich Hardesty, um, he's been my mentor, biggest mentor in the music industry for oh, five five years now. Um, but he's been a touring musician for the past like 20 years, been you know all over the world. Um, and I help him with his stuff too. And, and there's countless others too. Those are just some of the bigger ones. And um, then we also have uh, website design, which is Tyler Harris's department, one of my business partners. Um, he you know, helps them create the websites. I create the content. You know, We put it on the website. And then we use our, some social media tricks that we've developed over the years to then market this content and this website so that way they can expand their their fan base and audience. So is that specifically your, your niche uh, target then is musicians? Um, I wouldn't say so. That that's just kind of what happened. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it makes sense. It makes sense. We don't really advertise our services. People just kind of come to us. Yeah. Um, and it's just been word of mouth. Um, I wouldn't say that I would want to advertise to musicians, mainly because musicians don't have a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've worked with some businesses as well. Um, those are more fruitful for sure. Um, and really, we, my mission in particular is that. And my gift that I've, I've developed over the years is being able to look at someone as an individual or as a company or as a business and say, what are your strengths? You know, what is your gift to the world? And how can we get that out to people? Mm. You know, and really understanding that on a deep level and empowering, like Patrick Weaver, who did for me in the studio, empowering them to go for it. Because a yeah. lot of people are fearful. Mm-hmm. You know, they're like, oh, you know, I could lose money. You know, I could lose time. 
you know, da 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 da, and like those are the reasons why you should do it, you know, because if, if you could free your time and have all the money in the world that you want doing what you love, I mean, I mean, there's nothing better. Yeah, no one would pass that up. Exactly. So, what's your viewpoint on fear then? Because this is something that I talk about a lot, and I want to kind of, you know, get out to the world. Because, I, well, go ahead. I'll let you. Okay. What is your your viewpoint on fear? Well, I, I think you'll have a lot to say on this because uh, we're both fans of the book Outwitting the Devil. Yes. And I, yeah, yeah. I think that that book encompasses really what um, what fear is and how to combat it. Um, if you haven't read it, definitely read it. Um, but it it. It cripples you. I mean, it gets your mindset in this this circadian rhythm of thinking, you know, these negative thoughts. Um, and by doing that, you're then projecting that out into the universe, you know, mm. and that's what you're attracting and, and pulling in. So anyone that is fearful of something, that's when I go back to the gratitude. That's a good exercise. There's a couple meditations that I do to really combat that. Um, but realizing that that fear is not you. Yeah, you know, it's outside of you. It's something else. It's just if you believe in the devil or this other entity, you know, it's it's something that's trying to stray you away from your path. Yeah, and once you recognize it, once you can identify it and be the observer, a great book, The Power of Now mm -hmm. by Eckhart Tolle, my favorite book of all time. He talks about when um, your egoic mind takes over. If you become the observer, it dissolves, it dissipates, it, it disappears, mm. um, because you realize that you're actually in control. I really like it. So it's stepping out of uh, your your shoes and kind of like giving giving yourself an aerial view of yep. where you're at at that moment and seeing, okay, the direction that I'm going and what I'm doing now, um, this fear that's holding me back, is that actually leading me in the right direction or is it not? You're saying that being able to uh, step back and look with a different perspective you're able to kind of um, see that and, and see, you know, the direction that you're actually headed. Um, but, yeah, that's that's huge. Um, but sometimes fear can be a, a good thing, too, because um, it could be a motivator. You know, like mm, if you're afraid yeah. to get on stage, you know, and, and you're afraid that you might not, like, do your best job, like, you're going to try harder, you yeah. know. And you can, you can use fear in a positive way as well. And that's exactly what I believe as well is like if you are fearful of something, that is the only reason you need to actually do that thing. You're right. <laughs> You're absolutely right. Um, and it's funny when you actually just do it, then you'll realize that it wasn't so bad in the first place. 100%. And you grow from it. And I think that's the biggest thing is just, you know, growth in general. Absolutely. Um, I agree 100%. So um, touching on – well, I want to I ask you this question. So where did this mindset – um, of yours develop not only entrepreneurship but just this um, overall this this law of attraction talk this philosophy of wealth and achievement did it come from books did it come from a particular person how did you develop it you know so it was interesting um, looking back on it recently I've realized that ever since I was really really young I had this innate ability to ask why mm. And every adult hated me. <laughs> oh, we got to go, you know, to this place. Why? Oh, we got to go to school. Why? You know, like I was just always asking why to everything and people would get so annoyed by it. And I didn't realize that asking why is the most important question you can ask. Mm. And that's where the entrepreneurship mindset comes from. And that's where all of this, this success comes from is because I understand why I'm doing what I'm doing. Um, the what and the how come later. You know, Simon uh, Sinek, I believe that's how you pronounce his name, S-I-N-E-K, uh, he did a TED Talk about the why. Mm -hmm. And 
Um, he says that if you understand why you're motivated to do something and if you can understand why other people are motivated to do something, what you do and how you do come naturally. Um, you know, so ever since I was really young, that, that stemmed from there. I also, um, I'm really into like the whole metaphysical, spiritual side of everything. I'd always play with crystals and I always thought that they gave me energy, like as a very young child. Like okay. no one ever taught me that, no one ever said that that was a thing. You know, I just innately thought that they did. And Interesting. I would okay. meditate with them. I would, you know, put them under my pillow to like practice how to like lucid dream. Like, and, and how old were you? Like six, seven. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Like I was really young, and like yeah, no yeah. one had ever. Like I, I wasn't on the internet because yeah. I mean, AIM wasn't even a thing yet. You know. <laughs> <laughs> and so like, as, as a kid, it was just it was this natural ability that I picked up on, mm -hmm. and. As I got older, you know, I started to uh, learn a little bit more about it. I kind of lost my way a little bit in high school. And then in college, when I was 18, I, I realized that I wanted to make a change. I wanted to be someone different. Um, I was kind of shy, didn't have a lot of friends, uh, didn't know how to talk to people. So I was like, I need to, I need to learn how to be, you know, social. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I did a lot of independent studies. I um, got books, I got audio series, um, watched YouTube videos, like you name it. Um, and soon after that, and in that process, my mom introduced me to the network marketing company. Mm -hmm. And then Rich Hardesty, one of my greatest mentors, he was one of the instrumental people in sharing with me the law of attraction, the secrets, outwitting the devil, um, Napoleon Hill, Dale Carnegie. I mean, all of these great minds of, of the past, you know, I guess century, um, and how they were able to take this mindset and use it to create massive success. So. Really, as, as a young age, I, I knew innately that there was this thing that needed to be understood about why and law of attraction and all that. Um, and then as I got older, you know, these pieces just started to fall into place mm. um, with books, with mentors, with other friends, um, you know, meeting people like yourself along mm -hmm. the way. It's, it, it just perpetuates this, this ideal of... Um, uh, that, entrepreneurship and law of attraction and that this is real and it's real yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's the biggest thing for me is like um i kind of through actually network marketing is how i developed my love for reading um and because i was i was just told you know i was i was told if you say what people say do what people do you're going to get the exact same results they have yep. and so i said okay bet I saw these these uh, 23, 25 year old you know kids who were making six figures, and I was like, okay, if I just do what they do and say what they say, <laughs> I should probably be there. Okay, cool. And so they told me to read books, and um, I started reading. And I used to hate reading growing up. Never read a book in school, but um, you know, after being introduced to personal development books, I, long story short, ran across. Napoleon Hill and yep. Think and Grow Rich, Outwitting the Devil, and these books that taught the philosophy of wealth and achievement. And I thought it was so interesting, um, you know, that that question, why? That's yeah. something that always was instilled in me is like, you know, why? And as I was reading these books by Napoleon Hill, um, it just, things were were making sense to me for the very first time in my life, you know, Just going to, place. yeah, going to church, um, you know, all that stuff, you know, even after that, it's like, I, you know, I believe in God. Yes. I understand what you're saying. Yes. But I just, there was something missing that I just didn't quite understand. And when I read these books, and learned about the law of attraction and it broke down the philosophy of wealth and achievement, it all just clicked with me yep. and it made complete sense. And I was like, okay, you know, there. I'm, I'm going to just, I'm curious, so I'm going to just do what, I'm going to do what these books say to do, and I did it, and I saw it, uh, man, things start manifesting in front of me, and I was like, okay, 
I don't know if this is real or not, but I'm going to share these books with, you know, eight of my closest friends and see what happens. And I did. And things started manifesting for them as well. And so ever since then, you know, like you were saying, it's just, you know, um, going about your life with this knowledge and and being able to, um, you know, control your future. And obviously it's not very literal. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a lot more that goes into it as far as people think you're just going to sit there and think, oh, I'm going to make a million dollars. And it appears, yeah, Yeah. nothing (laughs) happens like that. You have to act. You have to act and it's patience, the hard work. Um, There's a lot that goes into it. Um, but there's key fundamental things, like you were saying, being grateful um, and, and just you know really changing your perspective that the world is working for you and not um, what, what is that what is that quote? The world is working for you and not to you, or the world is working for you and not against you. Yeah. Um, and so you know bringing this all for full circle is yeah, it's just you know encountering individuals like yourself that live this um, live this out. Um, on a day-to-day basis and you understand and and you have a story and you've seen it work for yourself as well it's it's inspiring you know and it's definitely um encouraging that you know you're one you're not the only one and you're not crazy (laughs) Um, we are crazy that's that's the that is the thing but we're not the only crazy ones Yeah, yeah yeah exactly um, but yeah, that's just super interesting to me, and I'm I'm very grateful mm-hmm. to just to know you, man. Um, likewise, and likewise. sit down and have this conversation with you, and and um, you know get your perspective out there about the world. And so one thing, I, ha- I have a couple more questions before we head out of here. But uh, we had talked about the education system a little yeah. bit already, yeah. um, and so my question is for you. You know, you were talking about how that's you know, you want to make impact in the education system, Mm -hmm. right? What do you think that takes? Because this is something big for me. I was actually talking on the last podcast about this and I was talking to Landon the other night and saying how we want to, you know, we see the education system and how it just nowadays, it's, it's like literally the only thing that hasn't been changed in the past like hundred years or whatever, right? They're still using the same exact system, even though that it's a completely different world. Um, and I think our generation is now realizing that it's messed up. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so it's like, you know, wanting to make that, that impact in the, in the education system. What do you think that takes? And what, what is it that the kids nowadays need to be learning? Well, um, that's, that's kind of a twofold question here. Mm-hmm. Um, and really to, to answer that, we kind of have to understand the history of the education system and, and why it is the way it is now. And really then how can we mold it into that, that next phase? Um, and like you said, for the past hundred years, it's been the same. And it was because in the industrial age, they were trying to prep people to be factory workers. Mm-hmm. You know, that you had to learn basic knowledge, obviously math, science, history, English, you know, to survive. Um, but you would go to class by a bell, you know, in the assembly lines, they would have bells that would ring when you would switch shifts. And, you know, you'd have lunch all at a sp- specific time. You'd get out at a specific time and you'd wash, rinse, repeat. You know, um, and you would do that for what sixteen years of your life, mm-hmm. twelve years, depending on how long you go. Twelve years of your life, um, and really to make that change, I feel like it's going to take an entire generation of people to go. Okay, something needs to change. Um, and there's the argument: should it be in the private sector? Should it be in the public sector? And that's kind of something that I've been mulling on over for a long time now. Obviously, the public school system needs to be changed. But I think if we were to create privatized schools that were affordable um, and do a test sub study 
Mm. Make a completely new system. Have a couple hundred kids in different metropolitan areas do this new way of schooling, do studies on it for the next 10, 15, 20 years, and prove that it works. And then eventually the government will go, oh, okay, you're right, you know, <laughs> and then they'll spend billions of dollars on fixing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and part of that is our generation getting into, you know, government positions and making actual change. Yeah. Um, and I, I think it's interesting because um, we as a society and people our generation are actually statistically the least amount of people who vote, which I think is interesting. I don't know if, if you knew that, but... Um, it's going to take us to get more involved to really make that change. Mm. Um, but with the privatized sector, I mean, imagine if we were to take a child at a very young age, like myself, who understood the whole crystal thing and asking why, <laughs> and instead of saying, stop asking stupid questions, we say, keep asking more questions. Yeah. You know, and what do you want to be when you grow up? And really take that to heart. Obviously, teach them how to read and write. You know, mm -hmm. that, that's a basic skill you should know. We should start teaching kids different languages. Yeah. I mean, we're the only country who doesn't automatically teach another language yeah you know at a very young age and mm -hmm. some schools are doing that but that's something that we should definitely do um basic math basic history we should understand our history history of the world um taxes taxes yeah that's one thing that they don't teach you didn't pay your taxes oh well you never taught me how to do it so <laughs> literally went to four years at iu and never was told how to you know pay yeah. taxes <laughs> go to TurboTax or go to hr block or whatever you know they'll do it for you um no, but then, you know, at these, the young age, teach them the law of attraction. Teach them that their thoughts create things. You know, mm -hmm. teach them how to converse with other people. You know, they don't have a social skills class in elementary school. Yeah. That's not something they teach. You know, and, and so many kids are, the, the, the depression rate right now is the highest it's ever been in, like, history. Really? Yeah. And, um, you know, people, everyone's got ADHD and ADD and anxiety and depression and, you know, everyone's, you know, taking all these drugs and I'm like, you're, you're putting band-aids on, on the problem. Like, yeah. you're not fixing the root cause and the root cause is people are going out in the world and not doing what they love, mm. you know? And that's why everyone's so depressed and so anxious is because they're getting up at six in the morning, driving an hour in rush hour traffic, sitting at a desk at a job that they're not passionate about, going home and maybe spending an hour to themselves and then going to bed. They're caught in this rat race. Yep, and they're doing it over and over and over and over again. And if we at a young age taught them to create their own reality and then expose them to as much as we can, music, art, you know, theater, uh, uh, math, science, history, you know, um, entrepreneurship, uh, technology, IT, website design, social media, you know, at a very young age and got them excited about whatever it is that they're excited about and then introduce them to mentors mm -hmm. at a young age. You know, people who are doing what they want to do, mm -hmm. so that way they can look, act, talk, and do what those people are doing at a young age, like you had said. You know, um, and really getting them to use the knowledge, because we're not teaching people how to think. We're teaching people how to regurgitate information. Yeah. Um, and everyone always says that knowledge is power, but it's actually applied knowledge is power. Yes, yes. If you're not doing what you learn, then it means nothing. Mm. You know, so if, if we can connect these kids and find, essentially find what it is that they're passionate about, connect them with people who are doing it, and then have them go do it. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, imagine if I was, you know, playing shows when I was eight, nine, ten years old. You know, I, w I would be ten years ahead of where I am right now. Yeah, that's you know, true. Not saying I'm not grateful for what happened. Everything happened the way it should. Yeah. You know, and I am where I'm at now, so that way I can mentor kids that are younger and help them get to that next point. Um, but if we were to create a privatized system, implement these these steps, prove that it works, um, you know, over time, I think we will start to make a change in the education system, and and the proof's in the pudding. 
people will make more money, people will be happier, mm-hmm. and society and technology will advance faster. Well, any way I can help you with that, we'll, we'll talk later. Okay, for sure. Good. I think we'll be friends for a long time. Yeah. This is something that's going to take probably 40 or 50 years to yeah. make happen. So. Exactly. And, but the good thing about that is I think now more than ever, mm-hmm. people are realizing that we do need to make this change. Absolutely. And not only that, it's like I feel like for the past – and I could be wrong. I don't know. But um, you know, the generation right above us, th- they kind of knew that this change needed to be made. But mm-hmm. – because of technology and not necessarily being as prevalent as it is today, um, people didn't know what that change really needed to be. Yep. Um, and now more than ever, it's like, okay, this mindset, this, you know, as broad as it is to say law of attraction, it goes in much deeper in depth into, in, um, than just that. But people are understanding and not necessarily skeptical now. Yep. They're like, okay, maybe this, this is, this is something, you know? Um, and, I think it just takes, you know, thought leaders like yourself uh, to stand up. And that's something that just sitting here talking to you, um, I've been able to pull is that you're a very proactive individual. And it's when when you ask that question, why, and you answer it and you understand, okay, I want to do this because of this. It's like you go do it. Right. And it's going to take a lot of people to stand up and just go do it. Um, But I think we have the resources to really make it happen. And and there's no coincidence that it's happening either. I mean, when you said it's our generation that's kind of waking up, mm-hmm. you know, um, I mean, that's that's where the name the Indigos came from was this idea of Indigo Children, and there's there's a couple different books. There's Indigo Children by Nancy Ann Tate, and Indigo Adults is another book, but it talks about how every two thousand years our universe moves in this celestial cycle, and we moving from a Piscean age to an Aquarian age, which is basically meaning the old way of thinking to the new way of thinking of um, you know open-mindedness before we were very closed-minded we were you know obviously i mean if you look at history slavery like suppressing women's rights i mean like all this stuff that's obviously we're like why would you do that you know that, that makes no sense at all <laughs> like everybody's equal we're all the same yeah. like we should love and care for each other yeah. and that mindset is our our consciousness actually evolving and awaking to a new form of consciousness and those are the indigo children that's what indigos are and that's why we had decided to go with the name the indigos for the band and what is the exact definition of indigo then well i mean it's a loose definition because each each indigo as as you identify as an indigo has as a different purpose Mm -hmm. if you will but if i had to generalize it I, i would say someone who is becoming spiritually awakened i like that a lot um, and that segues perfectly into my next question. You just you just said the word and you talk about it. It's purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, you talk about this. How does someone find purpose? That is the million dollar question. <laughs> <laughs> what in your perspective? You know. Yeah. Um, what What do you think? Yeah. No. I. I mean. Purpose is whatever you want it to be. I mean, for some people, purpose is waking up and spending time with their kids and making dinner and, you know, uh, sitting in a rocking chair looking at the sunset. You know, purpose for some people is making millions of dollars and traveling the world. You know, purpose for some people is, you know, literally just getting together with friends and Mm -hmm. having a good time. You know, it's a good friend of mine, Matt Havens, if you're watching. Uh, always uh, inspires me by saying, you know, follow your highest excitement. If you don't know what to do right now, do what makes you the most happy right now. Doesn't matter what it is. If it's do 20 push-ups, do 20 push-ups. <laughs> if it's call a good friend, call a good friend. If, if you want to go out and, and have a drink and, and, and see the beautiful lights on the downtown circle, you know, do it. And if you follow your highest excitement, that, that voice in your head that you just get this feeling that you need to go do something, 
Like if there, there's been so many times where I've been walking down the street and I, I just hear like my higher self or like a voice say, you know, make a turn left here. And I turn left and I bump into somebody on the street. And that person ends up being a huge integral person in my business or my life or relationship or whatever. Um, and it's just those moments of inspiration that you get, you have to act on them and that will lead you to your purpose. Because nobody knows what their purpose mm -hmm. is. You know, we, we only know what makes us happy and, and uh, what makes us fulfilled. And if we follow that path, that journey, that's how we get to our quote unquote purpose. Ooh, I love that because so many people are following the path of money right now. Yes. And it's leading, they, that's what they think that end goal, having a million dollars or whatever it's gonna be is gonna make them fulfilled. Mm -hmm. But in reality, no, you get to that point and you're unhappy, you yeah. know, and you're unfulfilled. But when you when you follow that, that path of purpose and what truly makes you happy, mm -hmm. then you ultimately end up living a happy life. Yeah, absolutely. Which I, I'm only 23 years old, so I still have time to go. But, you know, just from the perspective of watching people and, and hearing these older folks and the people that have done it, mm -hmm. you know, the people that have had the cars, the watches, the money, mm -hmm. a lot of them say, yeah, that shit does not matter. It doesn't. It doesn't. And, and there have been plenty of times in my life where I was in the top of my game. I was making money. I was playing for thousands of people, touring the country, and, and I was really sad. And it was because I was looking for happiness in all the wrong places when really it was right in front of me. It wasn't, you know, necessarily all the material things, but it was the experiences I got to have. And, you know, happiness comes from within. Yeah. You know, I mean, finding purpose, you know, obviously everyone wants to do what they love. But if, if you find happiness with the, within, you're grateful for what you do have and you never give up, you know, you are constantly going to find blessings manifesting in your life. And like you said before, you know, looking back, you can only connect the dots and even bad things, you know, sometimes happen to create the most amazing opportunities. I agree. I love it, man. I love it. Um, one more question for you, yeah. Mr. Matt Mellon. What impact do you want to have in this world? So um, on that board that I told you about where I wrote, I create, I connect, I love. Mm -hmm. uh, at the very bottom of that, it says another thing and it says so that the human race can be one. Mm. And I have this theory that if you look at like atoms, like on, a, on the smallest molecular level that we know exists, other than energy, mm -hmm. but we can't look at energy, yeah. not yet. <laughs> um, you know, atoms, they, they have these neutrons, you know, these protons and these electrons. Yep. And they're all connected together for this one purpose of, of essentially survival to create matter. Mm -hmm. And they spin around each other and, you know, they, you know how it works. We, yeah. we all went to the science class. <laughs> So you got the atoms, right? And then atoms come together and they create molecules. So these atoms come together and then create something else. Mm -hmm. And then these molecules come together and they create the elements, right? And then so all these elements create the, this matter, you know, these bodies, these organs. And these organs come together and they create, you know, the human form. And then let's go out a little bit. Let's look at the universe. We, we look at the stars. We look at the planets. You know, they create universes. And those universes create galaxies. Mm -hmm. We can't see past the galaxy, and we can't see farther than the atom, but what we can see is what's right in front of us, and that's us as a society. And so my theory is that when you get all of the humans together, all of the quote-unquote sentient beings, I mean, we're, we're, we're the only self-aware that we've seen, you know, aliens exist. Um, <laughs> uh, the only, you know, self-aware beings that we know uh, as of right now, and if we can get all of 
us on the same page, you know, instead of doing war and hate and we just all love each other and accept each other, what does that create? That's the million dollar question right, right. there. <laughs> and, and my theory is, um, I mean, if you look at quantum physics and string theory, we understand that we are uh, three-dimensional beings, mm -hmm. you know, living in, in this three-dimensional world. I mean, someone argue we're technically fourth-dimensional beings because, you know, thought and emotion is technically, you know, anyway. Uh, <laughs> so but we're, living, we're living in this, this three-dimensional world, right? Yeah. So if we can get together as a human race and raise our consciousness to be on the same wavelength, we then shift into a fourth dimension our ability to manifest becomes a lot stronger because Mastermind Alliance, Napoleon Hill, mm -hmm. you get five people in a room to believe in something and work towards it, right? Mm -hmm. What happens when you get seven billion people to all believe in one thing and do something? I mean, you, you could literally change the weather from a thought. Yeah. You know, you're just like, it's cold, let's make it warm. And we, <laughs> we as, as a human race decide that we want it to be like San Diego, California, everywhere on the planet. Mm. And because we believe it so much, you know, it happens. And that's obviously a hyperbolistic example. But, you know, I mean, I really believe that if we do that, we as a species will, will evolve yeah. spiritually, um, even physically, I mean, because that will manifest in, into our physical being. And, you know, we will be able to create a, um, a, a whole new world. There it is, a little <laughs> yeah. singing voice. I like it. Yeah. I like it. And um, that in, in my TED Talk, I give this analogy. I, um, I say that the, the, the world is like a puzzle, right? You know, and each person is their individual puzzle piece. And every puzzle piece in a, in a puzzle is totally different. Mm -hmm. It's skew. It's weird. It's... Summer in, summer outies, you know. <laughs> and and uh, the only way you can finish the puzzle is if you look at the piece, figure out where it goes, and find the spot that it was meant to be in, mm -hmm. the purpose of that puzzle piece. And society today is taking an X-Acto knife and cutting those pieces into very basic squares and putting them together on a grid. Mm -hmm. And if you do that, you have this incomplete picture. But if we as a society through the education system and through other means can identify where those puzzle pieces are meant to go and identify who they are as people and what they're special at and what their purpose is, mm -hmm. that's how we complete the puzzle. Mm -hmm. And then that picture, creating that picture is what I feel my purpose is for here mm -hmm. on this planet. Wow, that is super deep, but I could literally go on on a tangent for hours <laughs> about that. Um, I was actually just reading last night The Law of Success by yeah. Napoleon Hill, and literally, it, I um, it's a big book, so I started over, and the first chapter talks about the mastermind, and mm -hmm. it breaks into atoms, the molecules, yep. ether, how everything we is We got warm. an atom right here. <laughs> there you go, there you go. But yeah, no, that's super interesting, man. And I love your perspective. And I just want to encourage you to keep doing what you're doing. Um, you know, I'm a full believer that there's only one race, and that's the human race. Mm -hmm. And we can all come together. It's going to take a lot. Um, and it's not going to happen overnight. But it's people like you that are going to, you know, definitely make a change and impact in this world. So I just appreciate you. Appreciate your time. Um, definitely. Thank you for having me, by the way. Yeah, no problem. Anytime. Um, but guys, that's it. We are here at 120 Collective. Another episode of Novelty Voice just got completed. Uh, we'll see you next week.